Welcome to the Programmatic Digest, a podcast dedicated to review industry headlines and trends in the programmatic and digital ad tech world. I'm Ellen Parker, your host and Chief Programmatic Sensei of Ellen Parker Consulting, where we offer customizable training in programmatic media. Welcome to the Programmatic Digest podcast, everyone. And Frank, our two, uh, this week's guest, how are you doing today? Good. Really happy to be here. Thanks for having me. Yeah. Frank McGuire is from ShareThrough, and he's going to talk to us about all things video, but not just pre-roll, y'all, because when we when we hear video, we think of pre-roll CTV, but everything from a, from a holistic view. We're really excited about today's conversation because we're not only going to talk about, you know, the modern consumption behaviors from video consumption, but also what are the changing aspects and the changing spectrum of that industry. But before we get into today's conversation, Frank, I would really love it if you can introduce yourself. Tell us sure, a little sure. bit about who you are and then what you do. Perfect. So yeah, again, I'm Frank McGuire. I'm head of our insights and strategy at ShareThrough. So uh, if you don't know ShareThrough, we're an SSP or an exchange, wherever you want to, buzzword you want to use. Um, I've been at ShareThrough for uh, almost, actually, 11 years. Just crazy. Wow. I helped open our, our uh, New York office about 11 years ago, but was agency side uh, for four or five years before that. Yeah. So I've been in the digital ad space for, for a while. Never imagined I'd be here for 11 years, but it's, it's honestly okay. been a pretty amazing ride and lots of changes from a tiny startup to a you know, um, much larger company now with grand plans for the future. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> um, but I focus on, as I said, on our, our insights and strategy. So um, early days, share through, we actually helped invent, um, you know, even just the the buzzword and phrase to, into an industry of, of native advertising. Um, you know, this was six or seven years ago. We helped actually define what native advertising was. We used to do these big native conferences and we just do a lot of research around you know, mm-hmm. what's working, what's not with native advertising. We've since expanded that beyond just native and we're an exchange um, for all type ad types, banners and, and video and native, but kind of using that, that same um, uh, mantra that helped us build native ads that like ads should be, ads should fit in, not be interruptive. They should be better for the user experience and think more about the user experience and the ads that we deliver. And we're trying to apply that to things like even like display ads, how can we make banner ads better for the user and 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 use research about uh, consumer behaviors to improve those but then also especially video and i think there's there's been a lot that we've learned about video consumption behaviors that have impacted even the ways that we help serve video ads um, for customers but you know trying to keep it as uh, as simple and as effective as possible for for advertisers that you know especially now by you know 90% of our ads through us programmatically and how do we fit into those workflows, but still improve the um, the performance of ads by looking at the consumer first mm-hmm. and figuring out ways that we can adapt um, even the way an impression is delivered on the fly so that uh, there's a better chance that aver- that your advertiser message is actually going to be seen and comprehended. Right. So I love the fact that you say you've been working for Chef through for 11 years. So let's really talk about your journey to where you are today. Uh, I know you started uh, as a, what, a planner way back when, before Shep through. So talk to us about how you ended up in the industry from planning to sales, market development, and to like now insight and data, uh, and strategy rather. Yeah. 
actually the beginning beginning is actually pretty funny because I was in college, I went to yeah. um, Boston College, and I was an intern at the um, the Patri- New England Patriots. Yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> and um, I like would sometimes mascot for both the Patriots and their soccer team, the Revolution. And so I'd dress up in this like seven foot tall, uh, either Fox for the soccer team or the Patriot for like non-game events. So like I did like boat shows and like mall events. And uh, I did some like, um, you know, picture opportunities with the cheerleaders and stuff, which is pretty fun. Um, But, you know, I was trying to decide if I wanted to stay in sports marketing, which was cool, but also like, there's so many people that want to do that. They don't, they don't just have to treat you nicely to keep you in that position. Um, or I was starting to learn about this new thing called digital advertising and actually went to a career fair in Boston where I met someone from Kara Fusion actually at the time, um, which is now just called Kara and learned about digital advertising. I was memorable to them because they're like, wait, you're the Patriot mascot. So like, it was really easy for me to get interviews at the time because I had a, people remembered who I was because of that. Um, but anyway, I, in the long story short, I, I chose digital advertising over uh, mascotting or, or sports marketing. Um, and I'm happy I did. But you know, so I was I worked at Kara for a number of years um, on like Pfizer and Wyndham Hotel Group. Uh, then went to Moxie, which became Zenith, uh, working on Nestle and a number of accounts there. And actually, when I was on Nestle, is when I met um, Share Through. Uh, you know, at the time, our the co-founder and CEO had you know, had recently dropped out of Stanford grad school to start the company. Uh, and he was a really interesting guy and just love what they were talking about. And, um, the company was very different back then, but I eventually convinced him to hire me in, uh, in New York and help them kind of, um, meet more people in New York and expand beyond, you know, the the 10 people in San Francisco at the time. Um, and, you know, it was, it was really helpful having that insight of like, you know, what is the, um, the buyer and the agency side like, and having that empathy for what that role is. And it's really helped in, across my career from, you know, started in sales, but have really moved into more of marketing and research um, mm-hmm. and to understand the end consumer of both the actual consumer itself, but also the media buyer and what they're looking for and, and hoping for. And so trying to incorporate that into a lot of the ways that we um, both market our products, but also even the research that we do, just like, you know, let's understand not just consumers, but also the buyers that are, um, you know, tasked with doing an insurmountable amount of work on a daily basis. Mm-hmm. And, you know, how do we improve their lives as well? Is a big piece of it. So, if you had to recap your day to day now in three words, emphasis on things that are exciting in your day to day, what would that be? Three words. Um, I guess consumer behavior research oh. is what I'm, I'm most excited about. Uh, we're doing a lot of uh, research around just like consumer consumption behaviors. Um, we're lately focusing a lot on video consumption behaviors and especially with the explosion of CTV. Yeah. Um, you know, what can CTV improve that TV wasn't able to do and, and really trying to dig more into that world. I think there's still a lot to be solved in that. You know, it's a buzzword and rightfully so everyone's cutting their cord and everything, but there's still a huge attention problem with TV. Like people still mostly don't pay attention to TV ads, even if it's CTV and um, you know, how do we get that attention back onto the TV? Yeah. And um, those are the types of things that we're uh, I'm researching and tackling and excited to try to like, you know, turn that research into real products that um, could hopefully improve both the yeah. consumer experience, but then also the effectiveness of ads. So uh, that's a good segue into what we were going to talk about today, consumer behavior. Um, so yeah. how 
how can advertisers and media buyers adapt their video campaigns to fit the modern consumption behaviors with an emphasis on what is the modern consumption behavior at the moment? Yeah. I'd say that, you know, the biggest change that's happened mm-hmm. probably even especially in the last like, five years is, uh, and this is one of the big things that came out of our most recent research is that most people now are watching video on mute. And you know that really started with the growth of. Oh wait, um, I'm one of those people too. I'm so sorry. Yeah. I was I acted surprised, but like, I seventy percent of the time it's on mute. Yeah, and it's come. We've become so used to it too that like yeah. even now when I'm in a place where I could turn this sound on for some reason I just don't, and I still just end up like <laughs> oh, yeah, reading yeah, the yeah. captions. Yeah. Or like you're you're in that case where you're like you're scrolling through content or you know Instagram or anywhere else and. Instagram particularly. You're like, watch the whole video on mute that didn't have captions. And you're like, how did I just watch that? I have no idea what just happened, but I still watched the whole thing somehow. Like, mm-hmm. I was talking about this with someone. They said that they, you know how you can like save a video on Instagram into like a folder? Mm-hmm. She was yeah. like, she's like, I save videos into a folder called like, listen later with sound on. <laughs> um, but yet I've never actually gone into that folder and, and, <laughs> and watched them again. But I, I have them there in case one day I feel like it. <laughs> but you know those are the types of things that like we've you know it's not just on instagram it's like you know every site now is designed in like an infinite feed of content and mm-hmm. so videos start on mute and um i think advertisers sometimes lose track of that like what is the end consumer um going what is their experience in the way that you're serving their ad and i think you can apply that to any of your ads whether it's a banner ad if it's a video ad if it's a video ad where is it going to be played is it you know, is it pre-roll? Is it upstream? Is it social? Is it feed? Is it, you know, where is it going to be run? Then put yourself in that consumer's shoes. And there's just little things like adding captions to a video can go a long way into proving the, improving the effectiveness of it. Wow. Um, especially, I think our research showed that, that the exact number is like 75% of people mostly watch videos on mute on their phone. But even on computers, it's like 62% of some age groups are still keep their computer on mute when the video plays. And so something as simple as um, either telling your creative agency to add captions on videos, um, which we've been kind of banging that gong for a number of years and trying to talk to both creative teams and media teams to like, Hey, get them to add more, like even just add captions goes a long way. Mm -hmm. And it's so hard sometimes that disconnect between media and creative because they're usually two different agencies and it's a whole process. So we were finally like, you know what? Screw it. We'll, we'll do it ourselves. So we, we built a product that like automatically adds captions the videos because like what we found is like you can do it on instagram you can do it on tiktok you can do it on youtube pretty easily yeah. just check a button but on the rest of the internet you can't really do that on the open web um there's not like an easy checkbox to do that so we've started doing it automatically and then you know in true kind of share through fashion instead of just like embedding captions into a video we referenced some of this eye tracking study we did mm-hmm. a number of years ago that showed that the first place people's eyes go when they're scrolling through content is they look at the headline space first. So we were like, what if we had the captions animate in the headline space? And we use our technology that helps the fonts even match the fonts of the rest of the page so the caption actually kind of fits in better. Wow. And by doing that, we saw a huge improvement in even just people's general comprehension for a video. Like we were testing you know, videos with and without captions. And could you even remember what you saw? A second mm-hmm. later and just by adding those captions people were i think it was like 56 percent more likely to like even remember the message itself and they were like for the exact stat but it was i think close to 60 percent higher like even brand awareness 
mm-hmm. um, because they're like reading the words while they're watching the video instead of like trying to watch a video on mute that they eventually just scroll past anyway. <laughs> um, what are like some consumption habits that have, okay, let me rephrase this. So the most surprising one to me at the moment would be the caption, like watching a video on mute. Before that, what would be a couple behaviors that maybe you've discovered, and it doesn't have to be recently, it could have been like, oh, we did a research two, three years ago, and back then this was it. Now watching a video on mute is it. So can you share from previous research how behaviors have changed to now? Yeah, um, I guess it's actually kind of related to captions. Um, I think because of our because of our mobile video behaviors are impacting the way we watch TV now. Mm-hmm. Um, and so like, if you had asked, you know, five years ago, like, do you, how often do you watch TV with captions on? Like almost no one would, unless you were like, you know, hard of hearing or, you know, learned that you, you were learning a different language or something like that. There were just like only a few people would really do it. Mm-hmm. And now it's like over 50, I think it's like 55% of most people now pretty much always watch TV with captions on, which is, <laughs> I think, alone kind of an amazing stat. And, you know, since, we, since we've been, like, talking to clients about this, it's, it comes out to about 50 about percent that, like, always keep them on. And ever since we've done this research, like, I used to only put captions on when I watched, like, Game of Thrones or something where I didn't want to, like, miss a single word and, like, maybe yeah. the accents were heavy. You didn't want to miss something. Or, like, I've heard people say, like, Peaky Blinders was, like, a big one where, like, you can't understand a word anyway, so you need captions. but since I've done it, I'm now like addicted to it. And like, I can't watch TV without captions now. And you, you realize how much stuff you might've missed. Um, even little things like it'll say, like that if there's a song playing, it says who the artist is. I'm like, Oh, this yeah. is amazing. You, yeah, yeah, <laughs> I'm yeah. totally addicted. So I also watch TV with captions, but it's been years, but English is my second language. So my first na- my native language is French. And so mm-hmm. Uh, adapting to the American culture and adapting to English here versus the English we taught in books back home. Yeah. Um, just being able to read and hear the, the the words and the pronunciation was very helpful. Yeah. So always, always had captions. As a matter of fact, whenever we go to movies, like in the movie theater pre-pandemic, of course, I always ask my husband, like, Yo, turn on the captions for me. And he'll laugh like, no, babe, we can't, we can't do this here. Like, you're going to have to. And but like once in a while, I'll ask him, like, I did not follow this conversation. What is it? He's like, remember, I'll tell you after the movies because he hates people that talk for the movies. Like, I'm right. one of the people. Yeah. Don't invite me. OK, if you want to be like my husband styling deep into the movie, don't invite me. Don't invite me. Yeah. He's saying like, I invite you because you're cute. I'm like, thanks. But like, you know what's going to happen at this point. Uh, but I feel anyway. like that's like, I feel like that's probably like a common um problem in households these days uh, I, I say more so on the couch too because this is actually something else that came out of the research is that I think it was like 79 percent of people take out their phone when a commercial plays you not surprisingly which is part of the attention problem we're talking about but also like the part we didn't ask is like and then do you put it away as soon as the tv show comes back on or do you like forget and then you're five minutes in you're like oh wait can you rewind i forgot what happened yes. who just died who's that person and like that's been an argument in my house a lot. Like, well, put your phone down, and you would have seen what what happened. <laughs> yeah. Oh my gosh, this is terrible. Oh, this is terrible. But uh, anyway, so what were we talking about before the captions? 
captions <laughs> how we move from uh okay so the 79% is a very interesting uh stats but i i'm not surprised about it um i'm not surprised about it i think that's why cross device targeting or cross device strategies have been so successful and i'm speaking from a media buying perspective or yeah. from like a multi omni channel strategy perspective that's why cross device has been so so key uh okay yeah. so talk about what okay so when you when i reached out to you well when we come came across and we met at the programmatic io in new york this uh, last quarter mm-hmm. we, talk, we talked about third wave of video and the prediction for fourth wave of video so what exactly mm-hmm. is a third wave of video yeah yeah so actually as part of this research and it, uh, your your question before about like how have behaviors changed mm-hmm. um we kind of realized there were like these three distinct moments in like the history of you know video where mm-hmm. our behaviors changed a lot. And like the first thing we did was think of like, what are the, what are the main like expected behaviors for an advertiser or even just a content creator when someone's watching a video and generally, you know, you expect someone's going to be, you know, watching it with their eyes open, listening with the sound on and paying mostly full attention on the video. And up until you know, early 21st century, mostly, that was mostly true, right? You were like, the sound was on, your attention was on the TV and, you know, you were, you were watching it without much other distractions going on, yeah. like other screens. Obviously the growth of mobile and those types of things helped pull attention, but it was really the growth of, of YouTube in like 2006 or so when it really exploded that like started diverting attention. So you had multiple screens, maybe you're watching your laptop while watching TV, sometimes sound yeah. wasn't on one of those. So like, each of those behaviors started decreasing a little bit. And that's where we really saw that first significant jump in like attention decreased, sound on decreased, and even just like watching one screen versus the other decreased. Um, And then it was really the growth of um, obviously smartphones in general, but really the growth of social channels and introducing the infinite feed of content that really led to this, like what we call this third wave of video um, that really happened with the explosion of, you know, infinite feeds of content where each of those stats even decrease even more. We're paying less attention to videos, um, especially even on our TV because our phone is out. Um, you know, sound was on way less as I was just talking about. Mm-hmm. Um, and, you know, you ha- because you have multiple screens open, you're just, you know, maybe not watching one versus the other. Um, and so those three behaviors all decreased. But then this like fourth behavior came out of nowhere, which is reading and how like now you have to like almost read a video to make sense of it because sound is off and you need captions to make sense of it and we're even need to read tv shows to make sense of them now because everyone's using captions so this like fourth behavior has been introduced in what we call this like third wave of video that we're in right now um we're already trying to like predict all right then what is the fourth wave going to be and how are our behaviors going to change again and um you know our assumption is it's going to be driven by virtual reality or augmented reality or something like that, where, um, you know, that's going to have another drastic change when, when more people are actually using virtual reality to watch content. But we think like the, the, um, the, maybe the, like the gist of what that fourth wave is going to be about though, is more about co-presence. And like right now, like you kind of like sit at home alone, maybe and scroll through your feeds of content. It's kind of sad. You're by yourself, but in the future, you might be in virtual reality where your friend is or your friends are virtually next to you in a room 
and you're all watching the same content together, whether it's your TikTok stories or, or yeah. you know, the latest Netflix show, but you're actually like co-present together, kind of the same, kind of the way that's happening in the gaming community now, where like most mm-hmm. games now, yeah. you're, you know, in the community of other people, sometimes you know the people, sometimes you don't. But anyway, I think that's what the metaverse and Web3 and all those buzzwords are really setting us up for is this fourth wave of where co-presence becomes um, a a greater part to how we watch video. And I think the bigger question is going to be, what does that mean for advertisers? And I don't think we know a lot of that, but I think there's there's some really interesting things happening that we're, for me, I'm really excited to start studying and learning more about. And it's kind of the Wild West right now. That's cool. That makes me think about, I just finished reading the book Limitless from Jim, Jim Quick. And in the book, it teaches you how to use your brain the best way it should be used and retaining information and, and developing your brain cells. And he talks about multitasking and about the hearing specifically. And that when we were kids, we were taught how to, we didn't, we were not taught how to listen properly. Like we would say, oh, listen with your ears, listen with your ears when in reality the body and the brain does not consume just with one sense like you have the touch you have the taste you have the listen the smell whatever and it's mm-hmm. just saying that if you add on all of those senses you're able to one retain the information beyond the 24 hours that most average people retain and do not continue retaining above that time but it's like he said you have to listen with your eyes which the mm-hmm. and you have to listen yeah. with your and that's because like we're visual people and some learns better listening you know touching and stuff but ultimately you are visual to some extent and then yeah. he brings in that empathy that emotions into it in terms of like listening with your heart like, like you yeah. as human beings we virtually we can't really see you touch right so we need to listen with with all of our senses and then when yeah. you start listening with like your heart for instance you start anticipating you start um develop like showing more empathy towards their listener yeah, yeah. really being present and that shows the other person how um how involved you are and how invested you are um so all of those research that you're doing through is just makes it's just i just find it really interesting because of what i just read <laughs> in yeah. terms of how to really communicate from like a really human to human base and so going back to, and then this will be maybe the final question before we go into closing, but how do you retain that attention at this point? Like what can, um, what can buyers or creative, you mentioned creative earlier, can learn from your research and implement I'm a big execution person? Like what can they execute on today? Yeah. Um, yeah, I think from a creative standpoint, uh, I would assume that the big percentage of any audience is probably going to watch your video on mute. So think about, will this make sense on mute? Can you add, like, a lot of times we'd say, like, look at some of the, like, the best content creators on some of the social channels. And, like, they all add big, bold words. They're TikTok videos or Instagram. And it's not just captions. They kind of highlight big things. So that's one big thing you can do from an advertiser standpoint. Um, but obviously, you know, I think from a buyer standpoint, um, you can, you uh, almost like, you know, think of, put, like I was saying before, like put yourself in the consumer's shoes and how is this going to make sense to them? And if it's something as simple as just adding captions to videos can go a really long way. But even for like TV, that's, that's what our, you know, what we took from our last research 
was that number that like 79% of people are looking at their phones when a commercial is running and we're just like, wow, we really have this like big pr- attention problem with, with mm-hmm. TV. Um, and so we're trying to do our own consumer research on like what can pull their attention back. And we're looking at everything from like QR codes to are there sounds that aren't annoying that could also bring attention back to the TV. And maybe there's some eye tracking studies we can do. Um, but we're trying to do things that are turnkey then for advertisers so that they don't have to like, do the same thing, kind of go back and forth with their creative team and um, something that just can be like easily implemented with like anytime you buy videos on share through is going to include these enhancements that are going to help pull back in attention or even just depending on what type of creative it is maybe it pulls different attention uh, we're even looking at things that like maybe even like a something that pulls someone's attention before your ad runs like a quiz or something interactive yeah. um, that like that makes someone look up from their phone on their tv and pay more attention um, early results from our research show that like people are more likely to pay attention to ads if they actually like um, are relevant to them, not surprisingly, but that's why like CTV has so much promise that like there's promise of targeting with CTV, but we're still as an industry kind of like trying to piece together all the things that we can yeah. and can't do versus digital and with, you know, obviously with um, regulations, and everything with, with targeting. So I think that's going to be a huge piece of it between like targeting the right person and, you know, finding enhancement ways to like pull the person's attention back on, onto your ad yeah. Um, I think it's a good thing to, for everyone to think about too. Like as you're, you know, put yourself again in the consumer shoe and choose and think about, will they pay attention to this? And will they even be able to like comprehend our message if it's, you know, if sound is off or if they're, uh, you know, slightly, yeah. you know, their attention is elsewhere. And like, what are the things that you can pull that back? And, um, well, that's a, that's a good way to end the segment. Um, what? So, okay. So, Thank you for sharing. We really appreciate it because I don't think there is enough emphasis on audience research or at least not clearly without incentive, I guess, for whoever needs audience. Um, I think what ShareTrue is trying to do is really understand how people are consuming. And I think that's great. I think it brings a value to our industry. And now what is one thing you can help me and the listener demystify about the whole programmatic industry? Like one thing that you think, oh, you know what? We keep hearing this, but actually we found out that this, aside from audience, maybe, is there anything else you can, uh, you can share with us? Yeah. Um, I think for I mean, a lot of these are basically relevant to work with share through, but I, I think oh, that's fine. We've, yeah. we've really taken that concept of like, yeah, I think native ads took off for a reason because like when ads fit in, they, they perform better, they're less interruptive. That's why Facebook and Twitter and everyone have have done well from their ad products because they they didn't think about like interrupting their audience. They thought about how to like fit in and kind of earn attention. Mm-hmm. And I think I think the the um uh perception is that yeah, but that takes a lot of extra time to come up with custom ideas and like custom creatives to run native ads and uh, I think a lot of brands have really figured that out, though, that it's, um, on one hand, just native or simple assets like a thumbnail and a headline, pretty simple things to piece together. And they've become they've become a, a part of most like the creative specs of any campaign now, which is great. But it can also still be applied towards towards banners, even like that's one thing we, we've done is we want to make it as easier, easy as possible for advertisers that target share through to improve their banners because we'll add a headline automatically to the banner. 
And what we've seen, like I was saying before, is that's the first place people look is the the headline in a um, in the headline space. And it was we did this crazy study where like we took the same words that were in a banner ad and just put them as a as a headline below it, and people were way more likely to like have remembered the message of that ad when it's just written out in a headline because you know we've heard of banner blindness. It doesn't mean that we don't see banners; it just means we see them peripherally. We see like the you know the Geico blue or the Gecko, but you don't see actually the message behind it. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> so you actually read those words. So there's little things that we're we're trying to make it easier for any ad buyer without adding steps to uh, you know the way you you, um, you launch campaigns to just generally improve the performance of any ad. Um, oh. And so I, I guess that's the the preconceived notion that we're we're trying to fix too is that like. Um, ads can perform better if you do these little enhancements that help kind of fit in with the consumer that, and, and now there's a way to do that without adding extra time and steps to the way that you buy ads. Um, we're trying to make it as simple as checking share through off on your, uh, SSP list. And, I mean, it's probably more relevant keyword, <laughs> right? Exactly. But okay, cool. Let's move into our closing segment. Um, where sure. I like to ask a couple questions. And the first question I'm going to ask is, um, what is your definition of greatness? That's a great question. Definition of greatness. Yeah. You know, <laughs> I'm going to break that. I'm going to break that down because I think okay, you're ready. Great. Yeah. Greatness is, um, you know, it's, you know, it's like the, the eye of the beholder, right? I think great can be different for every, every person. And I think especially now is everyone's struggling with something in their lives right now. And I think everyone's looking for any mini win that they can get. And I think, um, I think if you can set even little goals for yourself to actually help you feel great, uh, I think is a big step that a lot of people should, you know, kind of, bring internally and think about that for themselves. Um, Cause you know, greatness can be, you know, something grand, like going into space or, you know, inventing something new, but greatness can also be like, um, you know, setting a personal goal for yourself uh, and actually uh, achieving it. Um, whether it's like a, something simple, like a workout goal, like once yeah. a week, like start small, like I'm setting this goal for myself and I feel great if I can actually achieve that. Um, but I, I think, that's how I kind of think about greatness. Um, especially I think you and I were both talking, having kids during a pandemic is, is no joke. So you look for any, any mini win you can get, like even getting them to eat their dinner one night is just, oh, I feel great. I actually, I actually ate their dinner. Go sleep. You'll regret this. You want naps. Oh man, that's great. That's great. Yeah. The greatness. That's how I'm thinking about greatness these days, at least. Not thinking too great, but thinking great for, uh, you know, what's great for yourself. I love it. So your definition of great is from an individualistic self-awareness perspective. I like that. I like that. Um, How often do you focus on self-development and training, whether it's personal or professional? Um, Actually, a lot. That's that's a big thing that we're we've always tried to have. both internally at ShareThrough, um, training for our greater teams. You know, we went through a huge transition five or six years ago from all of our business being managed service to all of it being programmatic. And we did a lot of internal training for everyone to feel confident about like, not just the like acronyms and words that go into programmatic, 
Um, but probably a lot of the things that I assume that you talk about, and there's a lot to learn in the programmatic space. There's, there's so many little minutia things to learn and it's constantly evolving. So I think it's really important to have a, a constant, um, education plan for your internal teams to stay uh, abreast of like what is happening and what's yeah. changing in our space. Um, I think it's probably true for most industries, but I think especially in the programmatic space, it's just like it's a whirlwind every day and it's hard to keep up with it. So you can, you can make your team more confident in the work that they do by um, adding that type of education. I love that. Well, I, I, I am a programmatic media trainer and coach. That's why I'm asking this question because I'm always curious, like, Oh, how important is training to you and your team? And the fact that you just added, you know, the make makes making them more confident just by adding some tra- internal training takes them a long way. And sometimes it's that easy. It's just having that confidence to be open to transformation and implementation. Mm -hmm. So I love what you said. So last question, last question, I promise. Um, Let's play a game called What If? And Mm -hmm. the What If game is going to be focused on positive dreams and greatness, like beyond greatness. So an example Mm -hmm. of What If statement. So you can just share one or two statements if you want. But an example of my what if statement is, what if I retire my mom by summer 2022? I mean, she won't have to work unless she wants to. All her bills are paid. I'm far from it, but it's like a crazy dream. Like it's a crazy, what if this actually happened? And it's just <laughs> to focus on the fact that our biggest limitation is our own mind. And so let's play again with you. What is the what if statement? And it has to be big. Has to be huge, huge. <laughs> oh man! Um, I mean, I guess what's really top of mind for me right now is like, what if we can somehow get out of this pandemic and <laughs> go back to, you know, being able to travel and not have to take a test to see my our family and oh yeah that's that's the big what if i'm hoping for now i'm hoping people we can get the now now the big race is getting people even just booster shots let alone just vaccinations but we're i feel like we're we're going backwards again and it's it's so frustrating so i my big what if like we've already been canceling plans for beginning of next year is like what if we can actually get out of this and (laughs) especially us that have unvaccinated kids that can't go out um as much like what if we can actually go back to a world where we can regularly see our coworkers in person where we can travel like we used to uh where we can um you know go back to doing some of the things that we we used to do on a regular basis yeah um i don't know that's my big (laughs) hope and what if I'm hoping for right now. Oh my gosh. Okay. Well, we'll end on that note. Thank you so much for coming on the podcast. If anybody wanted to reach out to you, and what would be like a quick, easy email or way to contact you? Yeah, my email is pretty easy. It's just frank at sharethrough.com. Perfect. Thank you so much, Frank, for dropping by. We appreciate you. We thank you for taking the time to come educate us on consumption, like video consumption and behaviors from a consumer perspective. And um, this is recording in December, but it'll go live in January. So happy holidays and happy new year to you and your family. Thank you. You too. Thanks so much for the time.